You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. It's so great to be welcoming back Crystal Skillman and Bobby Cronin, the co-writer and composer of King Kirby, the hit podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network, which tells the story of Jack Kirby, who created some of the most famous comic books ever, including Captain America, X-Men, and The Avengers. In part one of our interview, we talked about the creation of King Kirby, and today we are talking about lessons learned. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Crystal Skillman and Bobby Cronin. Let's go into lessons learned. So you kind of touched on this, but um, let's go a little deeper into it. What's one mistake you made early on in your career that became a life lesson you take with you to this day? I think honestly, it has to do with working with actors. Um, I think the thing that I've learned the most is just how how valuable they are. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm someone that always wants to give people an opportunity and a chance. And I know early in my career, I tended to be like, this is your role. No one else is ever going to have this role. And I can't promise anybody that. Mm -hmm. That is the thing that I learned the hard way. Because, you know, once a piece of ours gets put in the hands of producers, we're not in charge anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, it's a hard reality. And that's, it's interesting. That's the reminder of this is a business. Mm-hmm. We are creating art, but it's a business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, it's happened with so many of my friends because I'm grateful to have so many wonderful performer friends and mm-hmm. I want to get them all jobs. And someone that does such an incredible job developing a role in readings, we go to production and suddenly we're in Canada and we can't use an American actor for that mm-hmm. role. So mm-hmm. things like so it's just things like that that I've learned to sort of um, uh, more like uh, just don't give false promises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I think, you know, I respond a lot to, to um, what's going on now in terms of time and i'm sympathetic to it too because you know uh at some point there's a show right and so Mm -hmm. you know so in doing things mindfully and being and keeping the best room making a safe place to work um that's something i've been dedicated to for a long time and i think it's because in the indie scene i was aware of um you know the piece is going to be the most fruitful if the actors really understand they have an investment in it and they're respected, mm-hmm. um, that they they see um, uh, them, the selves behind uh, the table, especially as a woman, you know, I was really aware of that. And so, um, but yet it's, it's tough because at some point certain things, either the checklist runs out in previews and it's happening. And so we all like a trapeze act have to have that kind of level of trust with each other to create something really beautiful. And there are moments where, um, I'm lucky I'm still friends with, with all of these people. And it came from, um, uh, the early adaptation I did of this play action philosophers, which ended up being great 
at the Brick Theater. So this is kind of a funny story to tell about it. So it just uh-huh. it's a, in terms of the lesson learned, where um, you know, we had to go so fast. I was working so quickly, but I, you know, they we were at to the point where we were doing a show about uh, six philosophers. You know, we've got Anne Rand, you know, dressed like a Hollywood movie star, and you've got Karl Marx dressed like a GI Joe action figure, and it's it's you know, but we'd been working so hard and so intensely, and not checking in with each other. And I'll, I'll never forget when we went up at the Brick Theater. First of all, everybody came. So that was that was scary. This was four years before King Kirby. In fact, we did this because we couldn't do King Kirby at the time. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget my friend Joe Mathers, who is in King Kirby. And he's dressed like, you know, Karl Marx. And he's got his, you know, gun here, his G.I. Joe. And he's like, he had a fever. And I was like, oh, Joe, are you okay? And he's like, why? Why is this happening, Crystal? And I was like, oh my gosh, where where is the sensitivity gone? Where is this gone? And then and then the audience started laughing because they loved the show. And I was I realized everyone was a little stunned because we were so intense and like we didn't know if it was good or not. <laughs> and then and then there were, I was like, oh right, this is a comedy. Like this is working. Like so so this is a kind of has a nice ending in the sense that yes, we got what we wanted. But I would say if I went and looked back, you know, um, because I was kind of independent producing through a certain circumstance, you know, you've just got to make sure you take the time, you build in the time. And uh, that's great that that turned out that way. And they're all still my friends. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, I would have loved to have been more appreciative and have them feel a little bit more secure before the lights went up. Mm. <laughs> so I respond to this like, let's take our time. Let's let's try to find that balance between um, show, but it's not about the show if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So so that we can always check in with process because I think that's how you get make the most fruitful work. Yes, yes. On the flip side, have you ever been fired from a job? And if so, what did that moment teach you? From a writing job? Um, I mean, it could be any kind of job, but. It could be a writing job. It could be uh, a producing job. I've left projects. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I've ever been like removed from a project. I mean, Crystal and I actually one of the first things we worked on. Um, I was it was like a piece that was my idea, uh-huh. and I was directing, but I was also giving lots of like script stuff and sitting with the composer and sort of helping with with music and lyrics. And then a producer came in and. I was let go Mm. and I understood why it made perfect sense to me. It still sucked, (laughs) (laughs) but then, and I knew, I knew in my heart that when the contract was up, they would come back. Crystal Mm -hmm. and and his name, Kevin would come back and to the, like a year to the day or two years to the day, like they called me, we sat down and I was like, great, let's just move forward. It's a, it's a great I understood. Yeah. I completely understood uh-huh. why that happened, and I understood that it was really like out of their control. It's it's that mm. was that was really that learning thing that I was talking about before when producers come in, of um, you know, because I've had a couple of shows optioned by Broadway producers, and you know, you have conversations beforehand with the producers, and then the contract is signed, and then suddenly the director you wanted is no longer on the table. They want somebody else. And you're like, oh, but we had talked about so-and-so. Yeah, but we don't want him. We want someone else instead. Mm. So it's, you know. What, what's yeah. really, um, this is an amazing story because, and it's partly, it's why, going through this is why Bobby and I trust each other so much. Although True. it was hard at that, at that yeah. time. 
And one of the reasons why was when, and it really, you're being very generous, Bobby, but Bobby saw a title show. I'll never forget that. And we, he wrote us. So we did end up sitting together, but you, you wrote us and said, I just saw title of show. We are great friends. Let's talk. And, oh. and we, yeah. And so we all got together from there and we, 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 at the time we were very upset about the way things had happened, but there were a lot of things we didn't understand. I didn't know Bobby wrote songs at that time. And he was, he was writing them consistently. He was in Chicago, but I didn't see any of them. Right. So when Bobby is also expressing, I'm a writer on this show. I feel like I'm a writer on this show. It was something I didn't really understand at the time. Also, I was trying to do lyrics. That's another lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> lyrics are really hard. So I, I gave that up. <laughs> Just concentrate in the book. That's enough. So I, at the time, realized that too. There were so many problems with the piece in general. And the mm -hmm. other thing I think that Bobby recognized, but was quite a gentleman about, and that we came to understand and knew it when we came back with Bobby was that was the wrong producer mm. and this and so you really have to be cautious because when you're in bed with someone you're in bed with someone and and and, and if it's not right and you're feeling weird if you feel weird if you feel like it's wrong if you feel like this person makes unethical decisions but they love my show you have to say no because because this is a long marriage and it's not going to do favors for anyone. So a big, mm -hmm. there was a lot of red flags, but probably one of the biggest ones is the fact that they came in so early and did that. And mm -hmm. they had actually threatened uh, and were not respectful to me as a female book writer. And, you know, being the younger me didn't stood up for myself, but didn't understand that, like, I, I shouldn't have to fight for my job like that. And I should mm -hmm. be appreciated as a female writer on the team, not, um, not, not like treated the way I was. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I should have stood up for myself first to, and to that extent. And so there was, there was a, it's a great lesson learned. Um, but I also learned too, that when someone is trying to tell you that something is wrong, you may not have the full story. And if mm -hmm. I had really understood that Bobby was writing music at that time, to that extent, it would have been, uh, it would have been a different, I would have, it, things would have clicked in a little sooner, mm -hmm. but number one, I should have never said yes to that producer or even let things happen to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that was on me and that's just something that, that I had to own and own when we talked about and, and when we moved forward, but that's also why we write together with, um, because I fell in love. So Bobby then started to say, I do write me, I'm writing this music and started playing music. I'm like, oh, I freaking love this. And it's like, well, let's do a show. So like, really it's, it's that coming yeah. back together after that, that after mm -hmm. that we started to work together. But I think that's what makes a good relationship when there is something that happens um, and then the, the, the reunion that um, makes that little speed bump have such importance because mm -hmm. the amount of trust that we have with each other is, is huge. And I don't know if we would have had that had that awful situation happened. And it's mm -hmm. funny because I remember through that whole time, I remember Crystal's husband, Fred, getting on the phone with me and saying, they are, meaning they, the producers, they are doing this to make you crazy. Mm. and you have to stop replying. And I was like, what? I, I don't, because basically they were trying to take the story and bring it in a direction that was not at all what the intention of the piece was. Uh -huh. And um, he, the producer was trying to make it his story. Hmm. And that's something I kept arguing. And then the producer, like he got on the phone with me and he's like, I owe you nothing. You don't even need to be on this project. I'm just being polite to you. Nothing that you're saying is going to make any difference. Wow. And I remember like crying and being like, I'm getting removed from my own show. But 
long story short, it was probably the greatest learning experience that I've had in this industry mm -hmm. about so many different things, collaboration, producers, the desire to be produced. You know, that's the other thing. We were young mm -hmm. and this was going to be our first big thing. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 of course, someone puts that check in front of you and promises you Broadway. Yes, you're going to. It makes a ton of sense mm -hmm. to me. That's why I'm, I never held anger mm -hmm. about it because I understood it. Mm -hmm. Because this business is so hard. Mm -hmm. There's another and... good lesson too, which is, which is, which is the reason why they were able to do that. And this was a failing that I, that I had at the time. Uh, Cause I was not happy about the direction the story was going either. So right. you've got to stand up for it. You've got to be vocal, but they, it's a classic move as we can see. I mean, it's really relevant to today, right? When yes. we're talking mm -hmm. about standing yep. together, yep. they separated us. We were bullied in different ways, right? Yep. And, and, and so, you know, I didn't know that conversation that Bobby mm. had, you know, so it, it's, that's, that's, that's a, a bad person. <laughs> that's literally mm. what you do is you isolate people, you get what you want, you bully them, you have a code of silence, you 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 make a world in which you make them desperate and you think this is the only road. And I was young mm. and I was out of my depth there in terms of experience, mm. in terms of this moment. Um, and sometimes you have to fail. Sometimes you have to fail in that moment to then know I, I will never be here again and I don't want to be here again. And so that would never happen again to Bobby and I. Also to point out, um, these producers were did not have the experience um, and we should have seen, I should have seen that right away and we should have mm. understood that right away. So this is a very um, specific, you know, what real producing isn't a power grab and it mm -hmm. isn't about them. They need to have an actual reason why they're doing it. Be honestly, right. beyond, beyond money. Right. And if they don't have that, if they don't have any kind of larger aspiration. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good choice to, to, you know, those people can invest. Mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. part of the system, but the lead producers are the, you know, the producers you trust and that you call every day and they're there with you are your champions. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. That's this kind of behavior. Right. Right. Um, well, it's unfortunate you in, had to go through that, but at the same time, you did get a valuable lesson that Absolutely. probably made. It's all Mary and Max too. I think all a lot of those experiences yep. are feelings. Aren't <laughs> <there>? <laughs> you know, I we both teach, and one of the mm -hmm. things I say to my students all the time is, "Bad things are going to happen to you," mm -hmm. and as an artist, that's okay because then you can use it because you can put it into your characters with truth. Yes. You will understand different emotions, different betrayals, different successes, different failures, mm -hmm. right? We don't want a perfectly boring life as an artist. We, we need struggle. And I think, we, I think that is imperative to, you know, people say struggling art, oh, you know, starving artist, struggling art, that whole thing. I think that it's needed. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have much more with Bobby Cronin and Crystal Skillman. Priceline presents, go to your happy price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. 
No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. Hey everyone, my name is Bobby Cronin and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. What's something you learned from a collaborator or castmate? I will say something that Crystal and I have learned from each other, which is awesome. Uh, trust the music. Mm-hmm. Trust the dialogue. Like it's it's sort of a flip-flop for each of us. Yes. And... Um, you know, Crystal and I, we have f several pieces together, in fact, mm -hmm. and uh, one of them, uh, Concrete Jungle, uh, was op optioned by Broadway producers right before uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. And Crystal is uh, on the, the piece with me. I wrote book music and lyrics, but Crystal wrote like a lot of stuff that's in there. And then she's sort of, once I picked the piece back up in 2018, she's really worked with me as an amazing dramaturg. And the stuff that I have learned from her, not being my co-writer, but being mm -hmm. a dra like has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Most importantly is trust myself. Isn't that crazy? Like that, that is the, yeah. she, she had to continuously remind me like, you can do this. Mm -hmm. Because I remember I'd be like, would you look at the, would you, and she's like, Bobby, you have all the tools that you need. So that is something that I've learned from Crystal. Um, and don't have your scene and song do the same thing. There we go. Yes, the scene, <laughs> the scene is the scene. That's my big thing is a, that I feel like I don't, well, I don't know, you know, I mean, maybe they um, are some great um, musical theater courses and stuff, but that's, I would say as a teacher, my particular thing is just, just that phrase the scene is the scene so it's not like the the scene leads to the song and then the song happens and then we do another scene the scene and the song are the same so the so the the composer and the book writer and especially if they're the same need to understand that relationship and it might be different because it, if it's sung throughout and just a few scattered lines of dialogue that's different than you know a three-page scene before launching into a song um i would say from from bobby and from um the composers i work with uh they all have a similar mantra their work is very strong especially if they write lyrics and music mm. so a great lesson for a musical theater book writer is the composer knows the function of the song the mm. composer knows what the song needs they don't always know exactly how to you know i always think of it like tossing it up in the air so it could fly you know mm -hmm. but they may not know exactly what that is but they'll understand this person needs to be in a state where they're feeling this this person needs to have been you know squashed to a certain point or needs to rise up and and really listen to that when you try to take the song and make it something it's not that's mm. when it's the you can start to sense it's like putting on a shoe that doesn't fit you know it's the wrong size yeah. and and if you're trying to fit you fit or trying to make the song accomplish too much or the exposition or or you know i needed to get to here from here to there that's mm. um sometimes you have to do quick fixes like that um but in the most cases it's probably it's not the permanent solution because it's not giving over to the power of the song and the biggest thing i like to say and teach anyone you know who's interested in musical theater book writing is remind them it's called a musical 
<laughs> it's not called the dialogical, you know, like it's not like, you know, I love my dialogue and I, I, you know, of course we have iconic albums and those two lines that are said, we love them. You know, it's because mm -hmm. of you, there's a giant in our midst and my wife is dead. It's like, oh my gosh, right. I like to write that line. I love it. You know, James Apine, you magnificent person. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it's got to be a function together and the, the magic is where those songs take you. Um, mm. So that's another thing too, is you must work with a composer who's flexible, but mm -hmm. again, knows what they're like is strong. You need to work with someone who collaborates, but is also strong and you're able to have strong conversations that you both can um, get through. And if, the more you work together, the, the more that becomes. I really loved going on the flip side and becoming a dramaturg to Concrete Jungle. It was so great to, it was like being in a house and like being around it and knowing everything with the house and then the house got rebuilt. And then I got to like, kind of look back at the plans and be like, well, what do we do? So it's really wonderful to shift perspective and shift and try to try to come at it from the audience's point of view, which is something I think both of us are interested in because we care about our audience and their experiences in the show more yeah. than throwing a story at them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. I think that's an important um, uh, component to to your shows that you care what the audience thinks and you want them to be affected as opposed to just watching something. Yes, my that's the biggest reason I love theater <laughs> is that an audience can come into the theater with one mindset and if you do your job right, you can make them question what they thought when they walked in. Yes. So they walk out thinking something or at least ex open to exploring mm -hmm. something else than what they had originally thought. Yes. Yes. And what's something you wish you could tell your younger self that would have saved you from a mistake or heartache? <laughs> I'm not curing cancer. I know that's a weird comment, but I can get intense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love about Bob. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. And at the end of the day, it's like well, we're writing a, sh a show, which mm -hmm. I know is there are hot, very high stakes, but like we're not trying to cure the world of cancer. Now we are trying to cure the world of some type of cancer, which is hate mm -hmm. and and uh, racism and homophobia, transphobia. You know, those are very important things to both of us. Um, but yeah, I think I would tell myself to chill. Mm -hmm. and enjoy it more if i'm being honest mm -hmm. enjoy the mm -hmm. ride a little bit more mm -hmm. and enjoy the successes one of my best friends uh kathleen wallace years ago made me um she sat me down and she said i i i need to tell you that whenever you accomplish something you never say oh i'm so proud of that you say oh i can't wait for what's next mm. and she said you have to you have to live in the moment and love the moment, the things that are happening now. Don't think about what then it does. Yeah. What is it doing in the moment? And I never really thought about, I always thought that, you know, a concert is not really about that moment. It's about what does it do? What does mm -hmm. it do to the career? Right. Right. And so she really, I'm so grateful for her um, uh, saying that to me a handful. It was right before my father died, in fact. Mm -hmm. And it really, it changed that. I think that's why Austria is in my mind the time of my life because I went mm -hmm. there with like, I knew we weren't going to do any writing. It was in a different language. Mm -hmm. So we went there to enjoy our European premiere and mm -hmm. we did. So that's a good thing to, to learn. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. What would I, what would I do the younger? There's so many things, but I do have a habit still now that I have to, to work through, which is that I, um, sometimes I try to make a story. Out of, I tell myself the wrong story about, uh-huh. I put events together that have happened, uh, career wise, or I'm, I'm trying to make, you know, some kind of sense of something. And, and, uh, you know, any, any rejection sometimes could lead you down like, okay, well, that was just like the other one. And that's just like this one. And you start to create a narrative, but it's not real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, so I'm learning how to do that better. Um, uh, to kind of look and stop and focus, like get out of that mindset. Um, but so, you know, some people say don't sweat the details, but I think that's a little bit about details. Like I'm worrying about the wrong things, like, mm-hmm. and I shouldn't be worrying at all, you know, because there's, there's time. There really is time because you make the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so to trust oneself and, um, mm-hmm. and do the best they can in those moments. And I think also be proud of the work and, and, and proud of your work in theater, you know, and that's something I, that took a long time because there's so many stamps and approvals. And because I came from as an outsider, you know, I'm, and I'll say it here. Cause I think it's kind of, it's fun to talk about, but I, the, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I may not have said this, but I'm a showcase code baby. You know, I have yet to have been produced at um, a nonprofit in uh, New York um, for more than 16 performances. I have yet to have a transfer. I mean, King Kirby's kind of my career, which is that, you know, I've built these really beautiful things that are very specific. There have been almost transfers. There have been a lot of almost, right? Once I was talking to a producer and he was like, I got a great show about you. It's called The Almost Girl. And I was like, that's a terrible show. I don't want to be on that show. Um, But as things started to happen, you know, I realized that this is an art form you know, and I realized how am I inviting people to my shows? I had a lot of shows in bars early on. So I think it was like, Oh, come, you know, it's not, you don't have to pay and I'll buy you a beer. And, you know, I was always apologizing. And it happened. It was very interesting with family, um, with, uh, you know, friends, um, aunts go see a lot of theater and it'd be like, so they would come in all the time. And I think it was a couple of years where I was just like, Oh yeah. And then you're seeing Matilda. Oh, it's great. And then one day, I don't know what happened. Like it's at brunch. And I was like, I have shows too. And I was like, this is going on here and they're like oh my god they're like okay well all right you know just tell us about it like you know you know and and then I just was like I didn't want I was like you know what I'm tired of 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 judging like and I was me doing it to myself saying this millions of dollars show on Broadway is better than my three performances at a bar you know what because that's not what this is about this is about what it gives people and what their experiences are and I made that and I have every right to to invite people and guess what if it's 20 bucks like maybe you have to pay the 20 bucks you know like Mm -hmm. that's like and so so for some the blue collar me too had trouble i think equating paying for theatrical performances and 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 seeing them and me Mm -hmm. asking that of my audience and sometimes i was giving away my work for free um Mm -hmm. i wasn't valuing my own work you know Mm -hmm. which is very much in the story of jack kirby because i'm such a dreamer like jack i would rather just create and not think about those things but in thinking about those things you're communicating to yourself who you are yes very true very true um I was going to give an analogy, but we have to wrap things up so I don't have time for my analogies. Oh. I always end my interviews playing off of the title of my podcast, Burying It All with Call Me Adam. So I know you guys have revealed a lot today, but <laughs> if you have anything left, if you could 
bear it all and reveal something about yourselves that you haven't told before, what would you share with me today? I will so tell you something I'll be fast that is actually quite timely. Um, but I, I moved to New York to perform, mm -hmm. right? And the reason I stopped performing is that I was horrifically sexually harassed by someone in the industry for over a year of time. And this was back when we had pagers and voicemail messages. And I was promised a lead in a major Broadway musical if I would just go out with this person. And I said no, and over and over again. And for a year of time, I would get message after message after nasty message after nasty message. And I remember calling my mom saying, I don't want to do this. Wow. I, I don't want to do this. And he, this person even said to me, you don't understand how this works. Everyone knows I do this. I've done it before. I will do it again. And if you don't want that, that's on you. And I didn't want that. I want to make it my own. So oh my that is something I, I really don't share that story very often. But oh. since people are really talking now lately, I've yeah. been much more vocal about it. Well, thank you for Although sharing. I'm grateful, I'm grateful where my life has ended up. Mm -hmm. And I try to take any, you know, anything that's negative, I try to flip it into somehow a positive. Yes. So, so I mean, I'm so proud of you, Bobby. Thank I'm you. so proud of you. I mean, how do you follow that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will follow it with a, you know, I don't, I don't, you could surmise this, so it may not be the greatest secret, um, but I do... I have done this since I was little and I definitely did a lot in the pandemic only I, I'm older now. So it was with wine, but I, I listened to a whole album and I act out all the parts. Um, <laughs> that's, oh, that's why you're fun. so good at music, man. Crystal does the best. You got trouble right here. In River River City. She's, amazing. She's amazing at it. It is hilarious. It, it's yes. like her party trick. It's my party <laughs> trick. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so where can everybody find you both on social media and King Kirby? Yes. Um, um, my, I'm my name everywhere. Crystal Skillman on all media, um, Insta, you know, Twitter, all of that. Um, and you can follow um, uh, for just really cool content dealing with Jack Kirby comics or theater or musical theater or Bobby's work or all these sorts of things you love at um, on Insta and Twitter at King Kirby play. Um, and then you can find uh, King Kirby on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's everywhere. And it's right there on the Broadway Podcast Network site as well, as well as our beautiful trailer, which if you haven't watched it, I'll watch it. It's really fun. It's a comedy. It's really great. Um, and I'm at Cronin Bobby uh, on Instagram and Bobby Cronin everywhere else. And I just got a fancy new website that I'm yes, very, very happy with. That's bobbycronin.com. I love it. Well, everybody listening, Come to the Broadway Podcast Network and listen to King Kirby. Uh, you can also, like they said, listen to it on your favorite podcast platform, but do come to the Broadway Podcast Network to listen to it. And you can also take it with you with our brand new app, the Broadway Podcast Network app. So go to the Apple Store and download it to your phone and listen to King Kirby on the go, as well as the thousands of hours of other art and theater-related podcasts we have here at the Broadway Podcast Network. So... Keep listening. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him at all the place for the business of show. Callmeadam.com. Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, 
visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advanced notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite, swag. Swag.